time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Well, we are, uh, we're in a series here called What's Your Secret? And so last week, well, actually last week we had Corey. And then two weeks ago, we talked a little bit about the secret sin and about how the enemy wants to destroy you with secret sin. Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about confession. All right? We're going to talk about confessing our, our sin to God. And also confessing our sin to others, all right? So let's pray together. Father, we love you. And Jesus, we are committed to you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would cause your word to come alive in each one of us. God, we want to be authentic disciples in 2012. Jesus, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit and that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we uh, began to talk about some of the secret sins that we have here. Up here it represents some of the ideas that, were, that, were, that you guys wrote down. And so we basically took what you wrote. And obviously, each one of your confessions to God are between you and God. And they're anonymous. They're just between you and God. But I wanted to see what, what are the things that we struggle with? What are the things in this family? We're a family. We're committed to each other. And one of the things when you talk confession, confession is about confessing our sins to God. And we find in James 5.16 that the Bible says that when we confess our sins to each other, we're healed. And so we want to be a confessing community. Actually, when you look at the early church, oftentimes they would refer to the church as the confessing community, meaning they confessed their allegiance to Jesus and they would confess their sin to each other. Now today, confession isn't super common in most Protestant evangelical churches. Most of us don't have environments where we confess But we need to see more of it. The more that we do, that we confess our sin to God. When we confess our sin to God, we find forgiveness. We confess our sin to others. It's part of how we find healing. In other words, each one of you guys, when you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're a Christ follower, okay? See, so you embody what it means to be Christ-like on the planet. You are Christ's ambassador. You're someone that's following Jesus today. So the way, the way that you demonstrate uh, Christ-likeness is you're here for people to confess their sin and then you take them to Jesus. It's a part of what confession is. All right, so here, these are some of the things that, that each one of you guys uh, talked about. So this, one of the, one of the, we, had, we had 10 different people that pride was what they wrote down. 10 of you said, pride, this is the thing that's destroying me. Some kind of... Uh, Focus on self, selfish ambition. Pride was obviously, it was one of our top seven. Uh, depression. 18 of you said depression. And this is sad to me. This means that 18 of you said, uh, so we had, we had tons and tons of miscellaneous. We had, I mean, all kinds of different things. But 18 of you, that's kind of a lot. 18 of you said, I get depressed. And so this is something that we need to confess. And the reason why is as we, you confess to God and you're healed, as you, I mean, God and you're forgiven, confess to others and we help you, uh, point you to Jesus. So 
it's not just confessing in the sense that you confess and something magical happens. So James 5, 16, when it says, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. It's not like I just confess my sin to Mark and I'm suddenly healed. No, the nature is, is that when I confess to Mark, because Mark is a Christ follower, Mark knows how to point me to Jesus. Mark knows that as a, in the community of faith, Mark knows how to help me and he's representing Jesus to me. Does that make sense? All right. So 20 of you, 20 of you said fear. All right, so 20 of you said, the thing that's tough for me, the thing that's hard, so I look to the future, I'm scared to death. I'm filled with, I don't, I, and, and there's different, there was different kinds of fear, but fear was predominant. It was one of the ones that many of you struggle with. And, and, and we're not surprised by this. This is something that's typical for your age, but insecurity. Now, insecurity basically is the idea that I don't know who I am. It's a lack of identity. It's a, I'm not sure exactly who I am. This is something that, Every single one of you could say that you struggle from time to time with these things, all right? But, these are the, the, but when you confess, this is the thing. This is the secret sin. It was a, essentially saying this is a predominant thing in my life. All right, anger. Anger, 32 of you said anger. 32. And if you, as you know, in your generation right now, in, in youth culture today, rage and anger is growing. So this is something we need to work on. This is something that even, and so for John and I and Candace and Ty and Stefan, as we work on just how to help serve you and lead you, these are things that we're taking and considering as we begin to work together. But we need to work on this. If, if there's 32 of you that, I mean, when you, if inside there's, there's been enough hurt that there's anger and rage, and we want to work on that, all right? Big one, 57 of you talked about lying or gossip, godless talk. This is an easy one to conquer. Just, that's the good news. The bad news is, is that the number is so high. But the good news is, if we'll focus, if, we'll, if, if, if you'll work on this, this is something that really is about discipline, about thinking right thoughts and saying right things. We can nail this one. I think we can see this one go way down. All right? And then the last one, and of course, most of you aren't surprised by this. We got lust man right here in the middle. All right? 105 of you can confess to some kind of lust, all right, some kind of sexual sin, all right? Now listen, the truth is we serve a big God, all right? And the enemy has unleashed on this generation, like no other generation in history, uh, sexual perversion. And you guys have it all around you. There is not only different forms of pornography, there's not, there's sexuality in media, uh, from people that we've trusted, leaders, parents, divorces. There's so much brokenness when it comes to sexuality. But we want you to know as your pastors, we're really committed to working on this. We want this to go from a, from a secret sin to a strength where you come and you stand before God and you're clean and you feel it and you know it and you stand before Jesus with confidence, all right? So we're gonna work on these things, all right? I'm proud of you guys for being honest I'm proud of you for confessing your sin to, to God last week. And uh, let's, let's go ahead and let's give these guys a big hand right here. You guys can be seated. Good job. So you look at those different things. For me, the reality is, is that you are in a battle every week. So every week as you go to school, you're not, we're not looking at those things and thinking, okay, all right, we confessed it one time and we're done, Right? 
No, the truth is, is that though we confessed those things two weeks ago, you're in a, you've been in a battle for the last two weeks, and most of us in the room would say, I struggled with one of those things, or three of those things, or five of those things, or seven of those things, or things that weren't even written. And so there's oftentimes a frustration under the idea of confessing our sin. Because we confess it to God, and then we go back and we face the pain of falling short again. And then what happens a lot of times is we go, I'm going to give up on confessing because I'm so discouraged by the fact that I can't seem to conquer that sin. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. You, you know that battle. And tonight I want to talk about how do you sustain? How do you maintain moving forward and having those things decrease? And I want to talk about confession not as a one-time event. Oh, I loved the one-time event. Two weeks ago, we wrote it down, you confessed it, and that was good. But how do we live free? We've got the cross up here today as a symbol of the resurrected Christ that demonstrates that we can be free. How do we not have confession be a one-time event, but how do we live a lifestyle of confession so that we become more and more radiant, we become more and more holy, we become more and more set apart? In the midst of a very real battle. Battle everywhere. I want you to go ahead, and this is a little bit awkward. I want you to just try to smell the person next to you. Go ahead. Try to smell them. There you go. Just smell the person next to you. I know it's awkward. How many of the, how, the person next to you smells good? If the person next to you smells good, raise your hand. If they smell pretty good. Smell pretty All right. It, I, I was, if the person next to you stinks, let me see it. Raise your hand if you're like, this person next to me reeks. They just stink. All right. All right. How many of you guys are, are, you're clean, like you shower every day, sometimes twice a day. You're a clean person. All right. That's good. John, did you raise your hand? I didn't see it. All right. All right. How many, how many of you, 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 like, you, you bathe like twice a day? I mean, twice, two times. All right. How about like every other day? Anybody here? You're kind of an every other day. You're an every other day? Right. Haley, you're every other day? Yeah? Okay. You're a little nervous to do that right there. You're afraid of what people will think of you. I can see it. Okay. How about every three days? Every three days. All right? Right back here? Okay. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go twice a week. Twice a week. That's you. All right. One there. Two. All right. How about, how many, how many of the, you're, you're the, you're the like Saturday night bathers. You just once a week. That's enough for you. That's it. Chris? Chris? No? All right. No? Okay. We got one? All right. You're once a week. Anybody else? You're kind of, all right. Now, let me ask you this question. When you're, when you're like starting to stink, and you know what I'm talking about. When you're dirty, when, you're, when you stink a little bit, how do you get clean? Where do you go? Shower? Class? A bathtub? All right? Dishwasher? That's creative. The sink? Yeah? I, I, I remember I took, a, uh, I took a team to Mexico, and they didn't have any showers for us. And uh, so we went like, we went nine days. Yeah. At an orphanage in Mexico. And uh, I just remember how, I mean... It, it was pretty gross, you know, like you start to not feel good about yourself. You're working with other people. Your confidence goes down. I didn't shave for nine days. 
And on the very last day, one of the girls on the team said, David, did you forget to shave this morning? And I was like, come on, it's been nine days. You can't see it. But it's, it's gross, right? It's, it's kind of like all of us, all of us, we, we want to be clean, right? For the most part. A couple exceptions on the third row. But for the most part, we want to be clean. We like, we like to be clean. Kind of feels good to be clean. And I, and I, I want to I use that language of being clean tonight because this is the language of feeling clean spiritually. It's the language that David uses. Now, David is famous for a secret. All of you know the story. King David, he's the one who decided to get up and walk on the roof of his house, which in Israel, back then, they had flat roofs. Wouldn't be like, you know, today, like hanging out on one of the roofs. It would be like an actual, you know, flat roof. And you're familiar with the story because David sees Bathsheba. She's bathing. David has a vision. He goes, all right, I'm going to take her. He goes, he has an affair with her. Unfortunately, she's married. He knows it. She gets pregnant. And so he does something a little absurd. He has her husband killed. Now, that's the story of David's secret. And I want you to get the weightiness of that secret. (laughs) That's no small secret. And I know you guys confess the secret sins, but not many of you murdered someone in the last month. A couple of you. But, no, nobody did, I hope. <laughs> All right? But if you, if, you, if you play out David's, every line, I mean, one secret led to, first he saw, and he secretly lusted, then he had an affair, Then he had her husband killed. Secret after secret after secret. And so David is just then distraught because the prophet of the Lord comes and calls him out on it. Which I love this. This is the prophet of the Lord. This is what what we're supposed to be for each other. And David responds well. When, 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 When Nathan the prophet comes and says, you're the guy, you're the one, you're the one that's sinning. David doesn't go, shut up. Oh, I hate you. That's what most people do today. Most people go, who do you think you are? I can be who I want to be. I, I, I can fight for my sin and I can justify. And how dare you? And it's the nature of our kind of narcissistic culture and the, our, our, all, how you and I live in a, in a culture where we fight for self, we live for self, we consume for self. But the nature of the body of Christ is to try to help each other. And when Nathan looks at David and says, thou art the man, you're the guy in living in secret sin. David's response is the right response. Oh, I hate it. No. I hate, I, I, don't, I don't want that. And there's an epic psalm. It's my, one of my favorites, Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, we read about how David responds to the Lord. And I just want to read this psalm tonight. NIV reads this way. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Say clean. Clean. Wash me. Say wash me. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have have, uh, crushed rejoice. 
Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me, you know this one, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So this is David's response when Nathan the prophet comes and says, you're the guy You've been living in secret sin, and a brother comes to him, a prophet of the Lord. He carries a function. Some of you today in the New Testament church, filled with the Holy Spirit, need to be more prophetic, where you know what God is calling you to say to help other people, not not be so intimidated. And I'm not saying that you walk up to people and say, thou art the man, you have secret sin, sucker. No, I'm not saying that. (laughs) What I am saying is that your life so demonstrates holiness and righteousness that just being around you, people begin to confess and say, Like, can I tell you what I'm walking through? Just the nature of you being a friend, you walking with the Holy Spirit. You're prophetic in the sense that prophetic means that we listen to the Holy Spirit and we say what God's telling us to say. And so if I'm being prophetic, John and I are buds. If I'm being prophetic for John, then I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, not only saying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying about me, but what are you saying to John? And I'm willing to tell John, John, let's, I want to encourage you to take this risk. John, this in your life. John does the same thing for me. That is the community of faith where together we're stronger. Isolated, we grow weak, we grow tired, we want to give up. Together, the community of faith, we're stronger. With you, I'm stronger. With me, you're stronger. We're better together. And so in this idea of confession, first we confess to God, and when we confess to God, We're forgiven. And when we confess to each other, healing takes place. There's a healing dynamic. It's not magical. It's not just, I blurted it out, and so where's the healing? No, if I confess my sin to John, a brother in Christ, the healing takes place when he puts his arm around me and goes, bro, I'm going to help you. Bro, I'm going to walk with you. Then what is that? He's the expression of Christ to me. He's helping me just like Christ would, just like Christ did, just like Christ is doing. How's he doing it now? Through his people. So when someone confesses their sin to you, you get the privilege of walking with them and helping them, being Christ-like to them. I love the way that it says it in the message. Listen to this. This is fun. So this is David, and this is a modern-day translation, trying to put what the heart of what David is saying in common-day English. Soak me in your laundry, and I'll come out clean. Let me just say that again. That's just fun. Soak, praying to God. Soak, God doesn't have laundry, but if he did, soak me in your laundry, and I'll come out clean. Say clean. clean. Scrub me, and I'll have a snow-white life. Not like Snow White, the Disney princess, Candace, but Snow White. Just kidding. Just kidding. I know. You're not a Disney. Oh, right. Where's Pam? Where's Pam? Oh, she's in Europe. Okay. <laughs> Scrub me and I'll have a Snow White life. Tune me in to foot-tapping songs. Set these once broken bones to dancing. Don't look too close to blemishes. Give me a clean. There's that word again. Give me a clean bill of health. God... Make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. 
bring me back from gray exile, put a fresh wind in my sails. I want to be clean. You know what it's like to feel dirty before God. All of you know what it's like to feel dirty, just plain dirty, right? Where you stink, right? Where you haven't bathed. But what's the secret to remaining clean? Shower, brilliant. You're going to make a 35 on your ACT or higher, I guarantee it. That was brilliant. How, how let, me just, let me just try this again. What's the secret to being physically clean? Shower, brilliant. We got two, all right? Let's try it again. What's the secret? How do you remain physically clean? And, 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 and how often, Faith? How often? Every day. Every day? Every day? All right. Here's the deal. Let me tell you this. Listen, when it comes to being clean and feeling clean before God, confession, spiritually, is just like the shower. Every day. Every day. You, if you'll come before God, listen, if you come before God and you say, God, God created me a clean heart, God, yesterday, yesterday, oh, I, I, I exaggerated here. I was mean to Stefan here. I made fun of John Mack here. God, forgive me for being rude to my brother and forgive me. I'm just, this is what I do. God, and I see it. What happens? I go, that's, it's a whole new day. All of a sudden, I'm right with God. And I can, I can face my day, and I feel on the inside spiritually clean. Whereas, if you do not confess to God, all those things begin to build up like grime on your skin, only grime on your soul, on your heart. Oh, what's wrong with me? Why do I keep making fun of Stefan? God, why? I shouldn't have teased him about how he dated girls that never bathed. God, you know, like, but that's true. Oh, sorry. See, oh, sorry, Candace. No, and I got to repent for that. Okay, God. I confess for making fun of Stefan in a sermon. All right, so there it is. <laughs> I love Stefan. All right. That's the deal. It's the same thing. When you come before God and you confess it each day. Just like you, here's the deal. When you want to be physically clean, you go to where clean happens, the shower. You got to go to the place to get clean, right? You go to the tub, you go to the shower, you just get clean. You go to the place that clean happens. Every day in the presence of God, you've got to go to the place that clean happens. If you come before God and you go before him, God, wash me out. God, cleanse me. Created me a clean heart, oh God. And you look back at the last day. God, I don't, God, forgive me of this and this and this. You will have a vibrant spirit, a buoyant aliveness in your heart toward God. But when you go day after day, maybe even week after week, and you don't confess your sin to God, you start to feel distant from God. You start to feel heavy. Or maybe even say dirty. Like, oh, I don't even want to approach God in worship. Oh, I don't know if I want to pray. I don't really want to talk about Jesus with my friends. Because it's not, what's, it's not what's dear to me right now. Why? Because I kind of feel this shame and this guilt. But Psalm 34, 5 says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. 
Psalm 51, David, who has just done a far worse thing than any of you will ever do by God's grace, had someone murdered, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I want to go to the place where clean happens. How does my heart get clean? How does my soul get clean? I go to the presence of God, and that's where you get clean. You go to God, you confess your sin, you confess it to God, and you will feel, know what it's like to be clean. I'm doing it right now with my children. I drive my two oldest to school every day. So my, my son Dawson is seven, and my daughter Olivia is six. And confession's kind of a big word. So what I, what, what, the way that we do it on our way to school is I just have them say, tell me one thing that you want to do better today for Jesus than yesterday. And you know what they're doing? They're confessing. And then we pray at the end, God, we want to do this better today. And you know what I'm teaching them? I'm teaching them every day to come before God and start afresh, anew, creating me a clean spirit creating me a clean heart. We can live clean. We can live with our hearts alive in confession. And listen, we're using the word secrets in this series, but when it comes to God, there are no secrets. Let me say that again because Diego coughed. When, when it comes to God, when it comes to God, there are no secrets. He knows everything. So how, f- I'm, I'm sorry, I mean, this is gonna sound dumb. How foolish are we when we try to not tell God as if he doesn't know? Oh, well, I don't want to confess my pride or my lust or my greed or because he already knows. He already knows. And you get to the, the way that you get clean is confess it to him. So why not confess it? Why not get clean? You know why you don't? Because inside, you fear he'll reject you. He'll be ticked. Your wrong image of God causes you to stop confessing. The secret to walking with Jesus when it comes to confession is being so confident in his delight in you that you confess all the time. Because you're confident. Hebrews 4 says, if we approach the throne of grace, we find a ticked off God there. No. When we approach the throne of grace, we find rage there. No. When we approach the throne of grace, we find a God with a hammer that's ready to crush your nose. No. No, it says, when we approach the throne of grace, we find mercy. We find his kindness. It's not like the first hundred times we get kindness and 101, we get the boot. You pathetic slug. No, 101, we find mercy. 150, we find mercy. 2,479, we find mercy. 5,000, 10,000. I mean, you can turn 75 years old. 75,000, however, times you find mercy. He's un- his mercy is unending. And when that goes so deep in your heart and you have the right understanding of what God is like, the image of God, the knowledge of God, then confession is your friend. Because you walk in dirty, 
And you come out clean. You come out close to God, no matter what you've walked through. You know what God wants more than anything? He wants you to be honest. Confession at the core. Confession is being honest with God. Living honestly before God and others. He just wants you to be honest. He already knows it all. He wants you to be honest with where you're really at. And that's what confession is. God, I confess it. I am, I was filled with pride today. God, you don't want me to be filled with pride. You don't want me to be proud and arrogant. So I confess it. He goes, all right, forgive me, forgive you. What does he want? I want relationship. I want you to be honest with, your, with God and with others. But if we're, if we're honest with God and honest with others, we're scared to death that we won't be accepted. And in that, we only demonstrate that we haven't found our identity in God yet. There's freedom in just, I confess it. I'll be honest. Be honest with who you are. I'll be honest with you, God. This is where I'm going through. And then honest with your brothers or honest with your sisters. This is what I'm walking through. And in that, the burden falls off. In that, the dirty muck goes away. What God wants from his children is honesty. He's not looking for perfection. Meaning, he accepts you when you're not perfect. Because of what John talked about a minute ago, the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But we think, surely he can't accept me unless I'm perfect, no? No, he wants you to be honest with him. Say yes to Jesus, and he loves you where you're at. He's trying to help you mature. He's trying to help you grow. I have four little kids. And as much as I love each one of them so dearly, they're not perfect. I mean, Dawson's close. Dawson's seven. He's brown eyes like his mom, brown hair, very good conversationalist. He loves to talk to people. Talking to people is one of his favorite things. But he's got imperfections. For example, one of them is he's extremely slow. I mean, when it takes time to brush teeth, it takes him forever. When it's time to go to bed at night, my girls will have their pajamas on in 30 seconds. It takes Dawson like 30 minutes. He's not really, but 20 minutes. It's very slow. It's a long process. When it's time to clean his room, it takes him forever. He's extremely slow. When I confronted him on this, I said, Dawson, you need to be faster. You're very slow. He said, Dad, being slow is one of my God-given talents. (laughs) And I looked at him. I said, no, conversing with your father is a God-given talent. Being slow is a problem. (laughs) My daughter, Olivia, she's six. She's precious. She's she is extremely feminine. You know, she walks like, she's just so, she's real girly, totally girly. And she's got like, um, she's got green eyes and she just, she kind of, she wants to be just like her mom. So she kind of acts like her mom. She already cleans the dishes at six. Um, and so she helps out, you know, just taking care of things. She'll clean the house. She makes her bed every morning. She does a lot of things really well. But Olivia is not horrible, but awful at running. Every time she runs, she trips. She falls. She can't run. It's, it's, I mean, I bought her tennis shoes thinking it would help. No, nothing helps. There can be a crack in the sidewalk that's like 
like two millimeters, you know, and, and it's still enough that, wow, I mean, she's, she, she has no athletic skill, zero. I mean, I'm working with her, but here's what I'm saying, my point. My, my, my Olivia and my Dawson, they're not perfect, but they're my delight and they're not in trouble with me for having imperfections. They're in trouble with me when they're not honest. I'm fine with Olivia not being perfect. I'm fine with Dawson not being perfect. What I'm not fine with is when they're not honest with dad, with who they are. When they lie to me, when they're not honest with me, with who they are, what they do, then there's a problem. At our house, we have two kinds of spankings. Spankings and lying spankings. <laughs> spankings is normal spankings. Lying spankings is double the spankings. Why? Because the number one thing I'm not okay with is you must be honest with me as a father. You have to be honest with me. Your father's the same way. He wants you to be honest with him. And when you confess your sin to God, you're being honest with God. God, here's where I'm at. I was mean, I was arrogant, I was filled with lust. I did this, I did that, but I still want you. And I'm still your son. And he goes, I'll take you. I love you. I forgive you. Because of the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross, you are accepted. You're good to go. You're fine. Or as John said, I took the hit for you. You're okay. But what when we say, I'm not going to be honest with God, I'm not going to tell God, I'm not going to confess, then we're saying, I'm going to carry the load of my sin on my own. I don't need Jesus. I don't need the cross. But listen, when you do that, it always leads to destruction. It always leads to brokenness. You will find freedom as you confess your sin Number one, to God and be forgiven. And number two, when you begin to confess it to others. I know that sounds kind of wild to many of you. But listen, one of our great privileges as Christians is that we have each other. Now, in, in, a, in America, in a mega church, you kind of think, oh, there's lots of churches in town and church is church. And but listen, when you look at the early church, and all the persecution that they went through. And back then, when you had Christians being fed to lions, when you had Nero persecuting the early church, where he was taking Christians, putting them on poles, lighting them on fire as a party joke and the lights for his parties, and your, your friends are being burned alive at Nero's parties, or maybe your friends... <laughs> are being eaten by lions in the Colosseum. The, the, conf, the, the, the confessing church, those that confess Christ, they needed each other and they understood what it meant to confess to each other because we needed each other. We we're dependent on each other. The truth is, as we get closer and closer to authentic Christianity, we start to value each other more and more. We live in a culture that's going the opposite direction. 
We live in a culture where they're saying, you don't need, not only do you not need God, but you don't need church. And sometimes we have lots of people that say, I'm into God, but I'm not into church. At the very core, they're just flashing their pride card and flashing their ignorance on what the Christian church is. Because you know what? We do need each other. When we confess our sins to each other, we're healed. We find the strength of Christ in someone else. And they help us. And I confess my sin to Tyrell. And he confesses to me. And we help each other. We're helping each other become more like Christ and go to Christ. So here's what we're going to do tonight. I want us to confess a little bit. Some of you need to confess to God. Even though you did two weeks ago. That's why you need to go again tonight. Some of you want to take it past confessing to God. You're going to confess to God. And you want to confess to a person. And just say, help me. It's really important that you confess to the right people. Because a lot of times what we'll do, in fact, one of, the, one of the secrets that we had was, I lie to my accountability partner. <laughs> so it's very important that you confess to the right people. Very important that you don't just confess to someone that's not going to help you. Confess to people that have relationship in your life, people that you know can help you. But it's also this, it's not you dumping your problem on them and saying, you fix it for me. No, out of confessing it, then when we gather together, uh, gather together again next week or the next week, someone that you can walk up to and say, let me tell you how I'm doing. You own it. Don't make the other person own it. You own it. Own your sin. Say, help me. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to confess tonight. And I want you to either confess, I want you for sure to confess to God, but I want you to get out of your comfort zone tonight and confess to someone else. It might be a friend. It might be a staff member. It might be someone in DLA. It might be your mom or dad. It might be a brother or sister. You might, if you want to, this is the only time that I'm going to say this, but as we have this ministry time, if you'll stay in this room and you want to just text or call someone that you go, that person, that's who I want to confess to. We're going to give you a few moments to do that. I'd like to invite you to stand with me and I'm going to pray and then Nico's just going to play and we're going to give you a few minutes. I'd like to ask you not to leave. I just want everybody for about three to five minutes, we're going to stay in the room and then I'll close in prayer. And I want this to be a holy moment. If someone comes up and just starts talking to you like, hey, what's up? How you doing? You know, normal, just like, I just want to talk for the next five minutes. I'm going to invite you just to ask them to be quiet. Just say, listen, Pastor David says, this is confession time. Would you like to confess your sin to me? And they go, you're weird. You go, uh, and then you can punch them. All right. (laughs) This is a moment where it's just a holy moment where we're just going to confess. That's what we're going to do. We're going to spend five minutes. Spend five minutes. We're just going to confess. God, we're so far from where we want to be. God, we're not, we're not, we're not, we want so much to be authentic disciples living in 2012. And God, we thank you that Jesus created the way, that the good news of Jesus enables us to be free. And we want to be free. Holy Spirit, help us. 
We want to confess tonight. We want to find freedom. We want to live free. Help us, we pray. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.